sometimes a gift isn't just a gift. This is a Christmas commercial that's been making a uh, buzz online and on television. It's, it's even become viral on the internet. It's perhaps featuring one of the most well-known musicians of all times, Elton John. He's become one of the best-selling albums, uh, best-selling musicians. He's had more than 50 top 40 hits. He's had seven consecutive number one albums. He has been knighted by the Queen of England. He's actually Sir Elton John. And he has sold over 300 million records, only slightly under the Beatles. Perhaps uh, you know him not for his music, but for his acting career or his eccentric character. But what we saw in this video, this video that has become viral, is Elton's life in hindsight. The video showed Elton playing the piano in his house by the Christmas tree. And it worked backwards, showing his career to his youth, to his childhood, to the Christmas when he was three or four and received his first piano as a Christmas gift. On that Christmas, Elton's parents gave him his first piano, and they had no idea how that gift uh, would develop a story of possibilities for him. They had no idea when they gave him a piano that he would go on to be one of the best-selling musicians. They had no idea when they gave him this upright that, that he would go on to transform the music industry. In fact, even though Elton John's father was a great trumpet player, uh, he served as a lieutenant in the Royal Air Force, and every step of the way he tried to steer his son into a more sustainable career other than music. But even him, I'm sure, had to face that this little gift gave the gift of music that changed the world. This morning, we are looking at a story, the greatest story ever told, the Christmas story, a story in which hindsight, as we look backwards, also changed the world. We must contagiously tell this story as we begin to enter the Christmas season, as we see the lights and the stores and the decorations. We know that the world has the stage set for us to proclaim our message once again. This is a story of God's favor And it is a story of endless possibilities. It is a story where a gift of a baby boy is not just a gift. Our series, The Greatest Story Ever Told, is exploring through refreshed eyes a story that never grows old and that needs to be contagiously and virally told over and over again. However, if you were honest with yourself, and if I was honest with myself, far too often we're more likely to spread some gossip, our favorite viral video, or some news, or a good read with our friends and neighbors, than we are most likely to share the good news of this story. I get it. It's a story we all know well. Maybe we've grown tired of it. It's a story that, if we were honest with ourselves, is strange. A virgin birth? Sometimes it might even sound strange to us. And then each year in church, we try to explore this story in the Sunday mornings of Advent, and we try to put some new fresh spin on it where we, we deduct some, some memories of hope, love, peace, and joy, and we try to kind of make it trendy for ourselves once again. However, this year as we enter the Advent season, 
I'm hoping we can read the story for what it is. The greatest story ever told. A story uh, that I want its strangeness to arrest us with. Let us just read the story for what it is. The greatest story ever told. And may the Holy Spirit, as we read it, as we talk about it, give us refreshed eyes. I mean, what if something that the Holy Spirit longs to do with us this morning because of this story is like that piano for Elton John that goes on to change our neighborhoods, our church communities, and our friendships? I believe that not only did this story, the Christmas story, change the world, but it longs to find the church and the individuals of the church so surrendered that it once again can transform the world. About this story of Christmas, N.T. Wright points out, people have read into the story all sorts of things that aren't there. And they have failed to notice some of the really important things that are. It's my hope this morning that we focus on the latter. That we find those important things that are in the story. This morning as we continue our series, we're going to be picking up the story of this greatest story ever told by looking at Luke one twenty six. Through 38. It's right where we left off last week. Last week we saw the story of two ordinary people, right? We, we saw Zachariah and Sarah, and they're old in age, and, and they uh, just kind of uh, are living nonchalantly in life, but in their humility and even in their drama of life, they still manage to find favor in God's eyes. God pours that favor out on them and tells them that they're going to have a son. And that that son would be a forerunner to Jesus. And that story, Zechariah doubted, but Sarah rejoiced. As God redeemed for them the greatest story ever told. He took their doubts, their disgraces, their disappointments, their drama, their afflictions. He redeemed them. He transformed them so they could be used to tell this greatest story ever told. And we, we looked at how really that is what the Lord longs to do with us, to take our doubts, our drama, our disgraces, our afflictions, and our disappointments and redeem them for this story. It's a story of God's redemption and his favor. Well, this morning we're going to pick up right after that. An angel has just appeared to Zechariah and, and Sarah, and six months later he pops up and he appears to Mary. He brings to this poor and young girl the announcement that she too is going to have a gift, this, this gift of a baby boy. And what we're going to see is that a gift, as the video said, is not always a gift, just a gift. As Mary received it, she knew her gift was full of possibilities. Elton John's parents could have known his music would change the world as they gifted him a piano. But what we'll see is through her insight, this poor and young girl knows that the gift she received is not just for herself. It is to be used and that it will be a world-changing gift of possibilities. We'll see this morning that the greatest story ever told is a story of possibilities. N.T. Wright about the passage we're about to read says this, Mary is the supreme example of what always happens when God is at work through, by grace through human beings. God's power from the outside and the indwelling spirit within together result in things being done which would have been unthinkable in any other way. I mean, that'd be true of you and me. I mean, that quote excites me. That's what I hope. It's what I hope for our church. What if we were so surrendered to God uh, that he could do something so powerful, as we see in the story of Mary, that, that people can say there's no other way, there's no other thinkable way, there's no other possibility that could have happened except by God. 
That is the Christmas story. It's something so impossible, a virgin birth, creating a story of possibility, because an ordinary girl was willing to live surrendered to God. Let me say that again. This is a story of something so impossible, creating a story of possibility, because an, early, an ordinary girl was willing to live so surrendered to God. So let's pay attention to this example of Mary. And again, I'll be reading from the God's Word translation this morning just to help us three through re- see this passage through refreshed eyes. Six months after Elizabeth had become pregnant, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a city in Galilee. The angel went to a virgin promised in marriage to a descendant of David named Joseph. The virgin's name was Mary. Now, let me just pause here because Luke just packed a whole bunch of stuff in here really quick and really thick. The first thing Luke does is he defines Mary as what? A virgin, right? He, he quickly labels her or he quickly puts on her this brand that this woman was a virgin. He doesn't talk about how uh, upright she is or how righteous. He introduces her as Mary the virgin who is betrothed to Jesus and that is what seems to define her. Now you see Mary was betrothed to Joseph which in this culture would have been at least a year and and it was so binding that it was actually as binding as marriage. So let me show you an example to prove that. Like if Joseph would have died during this betrothal, Mary would have been able to legally in the law call herself a widow. Our engagements aren't that kind of serious. Like, some people have been engaged several times. This was not like that. I mean, uh, this was a legal and a spiritual binding act. Now, Luke wants there to be no question uh, why, who the baby daddy is, right? That's why he's like, marry the virgin, marry the virgin, right? Because he wants there to be no question that this was definitely a supernatural thing. And he does that because Jews had uh, this idea that, a child was always born by three partners. Hashtag what? Right? So in Jewish culture, they'd always say the birth of a baby comes by its mother, its father, and the Spirit of God. And so what Luke is separating here is that he's not just referring to this Jewish understanding that, yeah, yeah, we know that babies come from the Spirit of God. He's saying, no, this one really came from the Spirit of God. She was a virgin. And so he's already drawing a contrast in their understanding. Luke also wants us to know how special of a person this is going to be. It's going to be a special entry. It's a story of the impossible. And then the other thing we see him doing here is he's quick to point out who Joseph is related to. Do you notice that? The angel went to a virgin promised in marriage, not to Joseph, to a descendant of David. That's more important than his name. Why? Because those who came from David had the possibility of being kings like David, the greatest king they ever knew. There was nothing like him before, and there will be nothing like him again. They were looking for this great hope. And so automatically, Luke is setting up this political position in the passage. When the angel entered her home, you know, just nonchalantly walks in the door, he says to her, (coughs) you are favored by the Lord. The Lord is with you. She startled what the angel said. She was startled by what the angel said. I love that because she's not startled that an angel has walked in her house. 
right? How many of you would be startled if an angel just walked right in your house? Yes? She's not startled by that. She's startled by what the angel has said. Um, what do you mean God's favor? I mean, it's kind of shocking you're here, but the really shocking thing is you just said I have God's favor. Do you know who I am? I'm from the ghetto. I'm poor. I'm young. I'm like 12, right? So she's trying to figure that out. Then the angel told her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will become pregnant, give birth to a son, and name him Jesus. He'll be a great man, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of the ancestor of David. Your son will be king of Jacob's people forever, and his kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be? I am a virgin. Now, let's not overlook that, uh, overlook that Luke is drawing a contrast to the story he just told about Zachariah and Sarah. Now, Mary, too, questions the angel, but not in doubt or disbelief like Zachariah. Right? In her thinking of what does the angel mean by God's favor, she's trying to wrestle with what God is saying. She's trying to cry out to the Lord, to this angel, reveal the Lord's ways with me. That's what she's asking. That is the nature of her question. The Psalms, which would have been studied really well at this time, capture this, this hope uh, waiting for a time when the Messiah would come. And, and, it, and it says this in Psalm 67, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Now Mary would have grown up with this, and all of a sudden now she's learning that she is a player in this, and, and so she's asking the angel this question, make your ways known on us. She's not doubting the angel, she's asking for more information. So here's Mary living into that reality, crying, make your ways known. The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come to you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy Child developing inside you will be called the Son of God. Elizabeth, your relative, is six months pregnant with a son in her old age. People said she couldn't have a child, but nothing is impossible for God. Remember that line. Mary answered, I am the Lord's servant. Let everything you've said happen to me. And then the angel left her. Six months later, Gabriel visits Mary, a young country woman of Nazareth, betrothed, but not yet married to Joseph, says F.F. Bruce. An artisan of Davidic descent, she, she, he says, will conceive her son to be the long-awaited Messiah. To her puzzled inquire, Gabriel replies that the conception will be brought on by the supernatural operation of the Holy Spirit. It's the best way to explain it. We don't get it. Mary expresses her acceptance of this divine mission, and the annunciations to Zachariah and to Mary are very singular. Gabriel greets both. Both are distressed and reassured by the words, do not be afraid. And then there's the promise of a son. Both ask questions and both receive answers. But while Zachariah hesitates, Mary believes. Which are you today as we respond to the message? Let that chew on you. Are you hesitating or are you believing as we approach the greatest story ever told? For centuries, individuals have been kind of forced to wrestle with the strangeness of this story. In fact, it can feel pretty impossible. Biblical commentary War William Barclay says, 
in this passage, we come face to face with one of the great controversial doctrines of the Christian faith, the virgin birth. This is a truth that followers of Jesus have wrestled to understand, to defend, and even to believe. While we confess it in many of our creedal statements, if you know the Apostles' Creed, we say, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. We confess it in the Nicene Creed, right? When we say, he became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary. But the truth is, for many followers of Jesus, they've wrestled with this in such a way that they have dropped it from creedal statements or wrote a creedal statement that doesn't have it. And they don't find this to be central to their doctrine of faith. Historians say it's impossible, and some scientists have actually tried to explain how this could have happened by comparing it to some lizards that are found in South America that theoretically they believe could have the possibility to have virgin births. But before you get too excited and worried, uh, even if that could happen, they said there's no way scientifically that they could have male babies. They could only have female babies. So the virgin birth of a baby boy is strange and impossible by all standards as we look at it. What we see is God himself, the creator of all mankind, will completely surround Mary, overshadow Mary with his sovereign power. Now, you and I might not want to come out of a presence uh, of the Lord pregnant, but I think most of us get excited about the idea that we could be so overshadowed uh, by the presence of the Lord. And that is the hope of this story, right? I mean, Mary, an ordinary girl, living humbly, engages the presence of God in such a tangible way. Mary shows how the impossible can become the possible as we surrender ourselves to God. And what happens is we give birth to a story that is full of possibilities. Jesus teaches us the same truth in Mark's account later when he says, All things are possible to them who believe. He can say that because he watched his mom live that life. She modeled that even for the Messiah. Yes, Lord, whatever you've said, let it be so. Take that impossible, make it possible, and through me give birth to a story of possibilities. Now, some Catholic and Orthodox circles have tried to even make this strange story even stranger by claiming then that I think Mary remained a virgin for the rest of her life. They try to theorize how Mary could have even been holy enough to carry baby Jesus. Uh, and so they get lost in their minds that say she was so holy that she probably never had any relations. Maybe she never even died. Maybe she, she even had a virgin birth herself. And they get lost in this and a thousand other possibilities. And what they miss is the beauty of this story is an ordinary girl lived in surrender. The presence of God hit her and wrote a story of impossibility. That is the beauty of this story. When we lose ourselves in trying to understand how Mary, this girl from the ghetto, could carry the presence of Jesus, we miss the beauty that Mary is modeling for us that we all can encounter the presence of God in this way. You can try to explain it as many have throughout church history, but as a follower of Jesus, we are forced to wrestle with this doctrine, the reality of his birth and his strangeness of it. Your belief on it may not dictate if you go to heaven or hell, 
but it will certainly define your approach. It will define your approach. It will define your approach and your surrender to the Scriptures and your ability to trust them. Luke makes no doubt that this birth was from a virgin and that it was the impossible becoming possible because of the favor of God. What feels impossible to you right now? What's in your life, an area that you sense from the Holy Spirit that might not be fully surrendered to the Lord? Where are you holding out? Where are you still holding back and saying, you know, Lord, I'll give you my Sunday mornings, but you ain't getting that. Where is that? What is that that's on your mind this morning? Mary lived her whole life surrendered before the Lord. And in that posture, Luke tells us that she found the favor of God, the impossible became possible, and wrote a story of possibility. My sense for us this Advent, as we engage this greatest story ever told, is that God is asking us to rediscover what it means to be surrendered. I think the Holy Spirit wants to birth something new in all of us, uh, individually and in our church community. When I say he wants to birth something new in us, I'm not saying, like, babies, okay? Come on, guys, it's funny, right? Mary got pregnant. Though we always welcome new babies in the church community, hint, hint, wink, wink to all the young families, what I think the Holy Spirit is saying is this, that there are areas of our life in which are unsurrendered, and look to the example of Mary to find the favor of God. It wants to birth something new in your life, in an area of your life that is not yet surrendered. I think the Holy Spirit wants to take that part to show up and say, that thing or that area, that is what I want to surprise you with, or maybe even the world, and take it and make the impossible possible, so through you I can write a story of possibilities to those around you. In light of that, in the light of this sense that I think the Holy Spirit is longing to pour God's favor on us so that the impossible can become possible, I think there's a few notes that we can take away from this passage. On the back side of your bulletin, you'll find those. I encourage you to fill them out, chew on them this week as we work through them. First, we are reminded that this is a story that we approach with a humble faith and life. Jesus teaches us, blessed are the meek. Peter writes to those he was discipling, humble yourself then under God's mighty hand so that he will lift you up. Paul tells the Colossians, clothe yourself with humility. He tells the church in Ephesus, be completely humble and gentle. Jesus, the brother of Jesus, says that, James, the brother of Jesus, says this, God opposes the, but shows God's favor to the. He opposes the proud, but shows his favor to the humble. What a thought that God shows his favor to the humble. This is what the Christmas story teaches us. Mary was humble, and the favor of God was poured out on her. This story should always cause us to check ourselves and the way that we are or are not telling a story to others. We're reminded in this story that we approach uh, with trust and surrender. Now Mary trusts and fully surrenders herself to the Lord. Let it be so. Paul tells the church in Galatia, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. What surrender? In other words, I surrender, I surrender. 
James, again, a brother of Jesus, tells his followers, submit yourselves to God. Jesus taught us what? What surrender looks like this. See first the Seek first the kingdom of God, and then everything else will be added to you. Paul, as he writes to the church in Rome, tells them to live in such surrender that they offer their lives in worship as living sacrifices. Mary set the example of what it means to trust and surrender when she tells the angel Gabriel, may it be so. This is how the impossible can become possible to write a story of possibilities when we live in surrender and simply say the words, may it be so. Next, we are reminded in this story that this is a story that we approach with expectancy and possibility. I love this story because Mary has no doubt. In fact, when you look at her next song, she just bursts into this like prophetic song about how this baby is going to change the world. She knew Unlike Elton John, that when that gift was given to her, this story was going to transform the world. The psalmist in which Mary would have known says, For God alone my soul waits in silence, and my hope alone is within him. Mary, which knew the Holy Spirit intimately, would birth a son, Jesus, who would teach his followers, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will be my witnesses, and you will do greater things than I ever have. And we're to live into that surrender, expectant of God to hold up his end of the promise. From now on to the end of our days, let us live in surrender. Staying awake, never knowing what Jesus said could be when the day of the Lord is coming. As Matthew recorded Jesus saying, as Jesus teaches them to live in surrender in such a way that we are expectant, and believe the possibility of a divine encounter is right around the corner. Later in this story, Mary burst out the song, and she shows and she knows that this is going to be everything. Do we live with that? Do we live realizing that our lives are just as ordinary as Mary, and that God longs to birth through us these kind of possibilities? Lastly, we're reminded this is a story that shows some gifts are more than just a gift. She knew this gift was more than just a gift. It was the beginning of a story. We saw how Elton John was given his piano as a young child. And as I said, no one could have known that small gift would change him, would change music, would change the world. But Mary's gift, as she's given in surrender to the announcement of Gabriel, she knows that this gift will go to change the world, to bring peace. And, and I wish we had time to look at her her kind of prophetic song, which appears right after here in Luke 1, 43 through 55. But it's a confession of surrender. And it gives us this example of how we may surrender ourselves so that the Holy Spirit can gift in us a gift that's more than just for ourselves. Right? Mary's gift wasn't just a baby boy because she wanted to be a mom. Her gift was one that was to be birthed to transform the world. So how does it change us? How does that change us this Christmas season? How does it change how we tell the Christmas story? Maybe. How does it even change the way we give gifts to those in our family? Sometimes a gift is not just a gift. With it can come the possibility of changing and transforming lives. In this story, what we see is Mary's surrender is a very lovely thing. 
made the impossible now possible, create a story of possibilities for you and me, and we are to live into that. Her surrender was to look at this strange and crazy thing that God was doing. She doesn't stop and be like, so are people going to treat me funny? I mean, because I'm a virgin. Or, hey, where am I going to live? And what's Joseph going to think about that? We see no questioning like that. We just see her believing, hey, yeah, this is what God wants of me. In that, when she says, I accept, she models the very spirit of the prayer, the Lord's Prayer, which Jesus would go on to teach us. And we pray in that what? Thy will. It's the same thing Mary is modeling for us. The other thing Luke does in his story is kind of sets up this royalty or political meaning. The child will be born as the Messiah, a king, if you will, in the house of David, the greatest king, a king that would come and foretold, was foretold to rule the whole world. Oh, man, that made people jealous. It's a huge political claim that Jesus would be the Lord of the whole world. And it started with this impossible story over the conception of a small child. Mary models that a king of this might demands absolute surrender. And let me ask, what feels impossible in your life area right now? What area of your life do you have a sense of the Holy Spirit this morning is not fully surrendered? Where might be the Holy Spirit knocking on your life, saying, give that thing over so that the impossible can be possible to create through you a life-changing story of possibility. I believe that the Lord, through the Christmas story, wants to remind us each year that he constantly longs to birth new things to us. As the worship team comes forward, we're going to end our time with prayer. This morning, I want us to just pray that the Lord will reveal his Holy Spirit to us and in our lives in such a way that we are overshadowed with it, right? That, that we find ourselves fully surrendered it to it so God can pour his favor out on us. We also want to lift up Myron Roar as he's in the hospital. And for Mark, is just praise that he's been able to transition back to work. So Lord, we just lift these things up to you. Pour your favor out on us and our church. Show us, Lord, in our lives, for ourselves, concrete in us this belief that the possible was once impossible. And through us, you long to create a story of possibilities. We lift up Myron and we lift up Mark, Lord, and we just send our hearts with them, Lord. And we thank you for the ways that you are working in each of these situations. As we close, I just invite you to say the Lord's Prayer with me. Our Father in heaven, Holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Go and surrender yourselves. I invite you to stand and surrender as we close out.